teaching kids about money doesn't have to be boring. Discover how to make learning about finances fun and engaging for your kids. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. As parents, we want to prepare our kids so when they decide to go off on their own, they're equipped not just with essential life skills, but also have wisdom on knowing when and how to use those skills. Believe it or not, part of showing them the ropes is teaching them about money. If we don't, they'll have a much harder time pursuing their goals because they're weighed down by the consequences of bad money habits, such as carrying a massive amount of needless debts. I was looking over some numbers from The Motley Fool. While I prefer to get the median, I did find some average amounts of debt that Americans are carrying. First of all, the average amount of credit card debt is $5,733. Personal loan debt is 11281 If you're looking at car payments, the average monthly new car payment is now 736 And with used cars, it is $523 a month. You add these totals together, it is a lot of baggage to carry. So how can we teach our kids how to be smart with their money? It's really a family project. We have a huge role as parents, of course, But others in our circle can be a wonderful help with getting our kids smarter with their finances. Paul Vassy is on the show today to talk about how we can do that. He's a financial educator and the creator of Cash Crunch Games, which is all about helping families have a fun time learning about finances together through games. He's also recently published a book, Raising Money Smart Grandkids. As you can probably guess from the title, it's focused on grandparents, but most of those topics apply to parents as well. In this episode, we're going to get into the power of conversation and games in shaping your kid's financial mindset, how to navigate discussions about budget, savings, and making smart choices with a limited budget, and then creative ways to engage your kids in hands-on experiences that make learning about money fun and relevant to their lives. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. It is one of these things that we deal with money every day, mm-hmm. but we're not necessarily an expert at it. We don't actually have the insights. And then also it's for the long term, looking after your money, any mistake you make actually has consequences down the line. When you look at your grandkid the most precious thing in the world. And you want to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes you did. You want to set them up and make sure that they don't really have problems with money down the line. Because I think it is something like 90% of all arguments start around money. If you think about that, if you can alleviate that, that kid's going to have a happier life. Yeah, I, I I think you and I agree. Like money is not the most important thing, but when you ignore it, it really holds you back from pursuing your priorities and values because you're 
stuck in debt or you're dealing with some kind of financial headache, you want to clear that out enough so that you can focus on the people and the projects that are important to you. And I'm really excited about your new book right over here, Raising Money Smart Grandkids, because it's a family effort. Let's be honest, really teaching our kids, whether it's finances or other life skills, it doesn't lay on just one person or just the parents. It really is an effort with the family. It is. It is. And, and a lot of the time, and I found with people I've been speaking about, quite often you don't know where to start. We have all this knowledge, but we don't know where to start. So the analogy I was thinking about was like a moving truck. Imagine moving to a house and you've got all these boxes in your house. And unless you really, really, really label them, you don't know which box to open first. Mm. Let's say you have your bedroom, your kitchen, your bathroom and everything else, and all the boxes go in there. Do you open the box and put everything on the wall first, or do you build a shelf to put everything on? You know what every single piece is in the house, but you don't necessarily know what's the best way to unpack for a house so that you can live for the next three weeks to 12 years unpacking as you're going. I think that's what money's all about. It's a very simple concept, but most of us don't know where to start and how to phrase it. And especially with grandkids, I mean, telling parent to child talking about money can often be a little bit of a lecture, mm-hmm. but with a grandkid and a grandchild, first of all, you've got that common enemy, i.e. the parent. So the grandchild and the grandparent can virtually have this new relationship where they're telling each other stories and they're being like the best friends. So Mm -hmm. that's why I thought this would be a great way for grandparents to to actually help and start that money conversation. Yeah. And I think finances itself, there's a lot of simple principles, easy sometimes to put into practice and to talk about. But the same thing with conversations. Absolutely. I think as parents, like we have a 12-year-old and an eight-and-a-half-year-old, there's almost, I wouldn't say lecture, but you feel like you should have the talk, right? Oh, have we talked about this? Have we talked about that? And I feel like what's more effective is if you have a series of talks, if it's a normal part of conversation. It doesn't have to be technical, but it can be about what would you like to get? Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's a tablet or art supplies, that's a great thing. How can we save up for it? Making it more relatable to where they are is absolutely key, And which is one of the things I liked about your book is that it's laid out, like you said, a list of not topics, but questions that come up. I think at the end of the day, once you start a question, it's like a conversation, isn't it? And you imagine going up to a stranger or you're on a bus or something, and you strike up that conversation. I mean, you're on a plane quite often, and someone's sitting next to you, and a lot of people won't look at you because they don't want to start a conversation. But then when you do start that conversation, it goes for the whole duration of the flight. It just becomes something very natural because you're in the same you're in the same state, if you like. You're both trying mm-hmm. to get somewhere. You're trying to pass the time, and you're not going to see that person ever again. So probably you just chat, 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 and it's mm-hmm. You hear it and you see it all the time. I think just starting that initial conversation mm-hmm. brings a lot more back and then that opens up more questions and stories. And I think it's the best way. And also, 
I don't know if you know this, Elle, but I was a school teacher for many years. 12 years I think ago, I remember you years. telling me that. Yeah, you got hands-on experience. <laughs> One of the things I used to teach was I always found that the textbook was useless. Um, I very rarely led with a textbook. I saw a conversation, I saw an advert once when they were, and it was an English advert, when there was two ladies talking over the fence to one another. And all they did was gossip. But they used to remember every single story and they used to be able mm -hmm. to relate. And they used to put themselves into the story so they would remember it. Mm -hmm. So six years later, they would remember that conversation and they would yeah. understand it because they were a part of the conversation. So it was experiential learning. Whereas if you actually read a textbook, you read a paragraph, you're not going to really remember it the next day. But if you remember gossip and you remember a story, and a, converse, mm -hmm. a conversation you had with your grandparents, yeah. you know, about little things, little memories like that. That's how I really believe is a great way of learning and mm -hmm. not just learning and being able to regurgitate, but actually being able to understand and apply. Because if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. Yeah, absolutely. You covered a lot here. Again, this is focused on grandparents. I think that can be an incredible way to build a relationship with conversation. But a lot of these are just great for families in general to kind of review and talk about. I want to highlight a couple of the questions that really resonated with me because I think a lot of families would appreciate that. You had one in nine about creating hands-on experiences with grandparents, with their grandchildren. Like when you are experiencing it versus, hey, I'm going to teach you a lesson about budgeting. But hey, when they're young, here's your first piggy bank. Let's play around with here's four quarters, this is how you divide it, or, you know, like these conversations where you're engaging them absolutely, you know, can make a difference. Those are the things that stick with you. I saw you had ideas about like even grocery shopping, getting them involved. I yeah. did that with my kids before they could even, before they started school was like the snack budget. So before they could do a lot of the numbers per se, they knew they had one snack and it had to be less than this amount. And so it was a choice of bag of chips or cookies. And now so you're you having just a told conversation. Them, you just taught them opportunity cost. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, you hear that all the time, opportunity cost. Then you yeah. probably said, right, you got a dollar. Now you've got 75 cents. Mm -hmm. So you're just taking a quarter away, go and find something again. So now they're learning to live within the budgeting rules. Yeah. You know, so if you think about it as a parent, what you've just done is you've given them a wage. Mm-hmm. Taxes. Now you said, okay, here's your disposable income. Go and mm -hmm. spend what you need to get. All right. Now I've just taken some more away from you. What yeah. do you have to make do? So now you're saying, well, I always wanted this, but I can't have this, but this mm -hmm. will fill me up. It'll give me my sugar rush and everything else I need. So they've just found an alternative. Yeah. All right. And maybe I shouldn't say sugar, sugar rush, but unfortunately we can't get away from the world of sugar. <laughs> or let's have some fruit instead. That still does the same thing. It fills me up, gives me energy and does what I need to do. So yeah. one I really want to share with you is, is a really, really good one. And it will save you a fortune in the mm -hmm. future. It's one of the hardest things parent and grandparent can do is say no to their child. They'll say, I want this. Mm -hmm. And you say no. And quite often you feel so guilty that you'll buy it. And then what will happen is you'll put yourself in a hole because you just spent more than you wanted to because you may mm -hmm. be on a fixed budget, a fixed income. So get the money from a monopoly set mm -hmm. and then write down your outgoing bills. So you might go rent, 
electricity, water, sandwiches, allowance, all those different car payment, whatever it is, and write them down. And then it doesn't matter about the money. You can be accurate with whatever money coming in or Mm -hmm. just um, a rounded up number, rounded down number. And then start getting that wad of money and putting it, here's my rent and my mortgage. Here's Mm -hmm. my car payment. Here's my electricity. Here's my water. Here's my utilities. Here's groceries. And little Johnny, here's your money. So when they say, I want an iPad or I want Mm -hmm. the phone or I want this, I want that. You go, well, where's the money coming from? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is all I have is savings and I have this in the holiday fund. Now, if you want to go on vacation, here's the money. Do you want me to take this out of the vacation fund so you can't, we can't go? Mm-hmm. And then it's that kind of thing. And then they'll say, well, I want this. Well, so where are we going to get it from? And they'll go, okay, we can cut down on the electricity bill. Well, how are you going to do that? Yeah. I'll turn all the lights off. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm not in the room. What you've just done is you teaching them that there's consequences. They see where mm-hmm. the money's coming and going from. And then they're also giving you solutions to mm-hmm. be able to get what they want. So yeah. now guess what? They've said, Hey, okay, I won't have that snack. I won't buy, I won't buy those expensive snacks. I'll have some fruit. It's cheap. So you go, mm-hmm. okay, winner. I'm saving my, well, they're getting what they want eventually. My kids are eating fruit. Mm-hmm. They're not wasting water. They're not wasting electricity. I mean, at the end of the day, you can always say, well, if they want some, you can say, no, that's not the budget. Now the parent or the grandparent now feels confident enough to say, I don't, because you know where the money's coming, where the money's come from and where it's going. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So there's a couple things because I'm thinking of both as a parent and then with grandparents. First of all, I feel like we're not as parents for just talking to our kids about the cost, not to burden them, right? But to make them aware, like, are you understanding that, yes, I work and you probably just see the card, the debit card, you know, that I'm using, but there's a fixed amount. I love that idea of like even using Monopoly money just so they can visualize and and start figuring out. And then the second part I liked about it was what solution do you see? Throw it back at them as a friendly challenge, not like, you know, can you do better? But I'd love to hear what you think. It's a good kind of challenge. It's one where they have to make a decision and empowers them where, you know what, I'm willing to do this. Either I'm chipping in, like you mentioned, making sure the electricity bill, try to cut back, or I'm making another choice, like you mentioned with snacks. Like that, you start small, but as they get older, now it's like, okay, they're more aware. So when they leave the house, they're not completely thrown off about the real cost of living in the real world. It's not like I didn't realize it was this expensive. But also go back to what you just said, Mm -hmm. that as things get bigger, at the time in their life, a Pokemon card or a candy or something is the biggest purchase they will ever make Mm -hmm. because it's all relative. As we get older, the bills get bigger, but it's still the same process. Yeah. So when you get a dollar a week or $2 a week, I mean, that's all they have. So their purchases are down here. It's not up here. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter of the age. It's still the same thing. Regardless of age, as they get bigger, it's the same principle, but it yeah. needs, it's relative to their age. 
Yeah. And I also love like grandparents. This is something they can do as parents. You're like, okay, I got to teach them this, this and that. But it's great to have grandparents drop them off. Like you're having these conversations, you're playing these games, you're you're experimenting and and just getting comfortable talking about money, that it's not a scary thing. You're not growing up like, oh, I heard my parents, they're stressed out about money. It's sometimes, yeah, we talk about the bills, but we're also talking about going on vacation. We're saving up for things we want to do, things that are like important and meaningful for us. Those conversations also need to be had. So I really love that question because I felt like it's not just a lecture, but going back to like number nine, it's hands-on experiences. What can we give our kids on that? I think that's absolutely key, you know, whatever level they're at. Yeah, there's lots of things we could actually do. I mean, for example, board games. Mm-hmm. When you play a board game, something happens to them in the game, and whether it's just making change or adding up yeah. or learning to play within the rules or learning to listen or communicate or make a plan or strategy or anything else. There's so many things you learn in a, in a board game mm-hmm. that actually apply to life that you have to play within the rules or the hand that's dealt you and you've got to outthink, you've got to think your way out of it or you've got to manage your money in such a way like Monopoly or mm-hmm. Cash Crunch Jr. Yeah. You've got to save first to spend later. So it, it's just learn skills that makes that kid an expert, which they can then apply to mm-hmm. their real life. I mean... Yeah, he said about grocery shopping, going in there with some money and then saying, hey, we'll go and find the best value for that. And, you know, is it price per unit? Your savings jar with every time you get money, you have two, you have two jars. One's your spending jar and one's your savings jar. So mm-hmm. every dollar you get, and maybe that's what the parents, the grandparents do is if they get an allowance of $2, maybe you give it to them in dimes. Mm-hmm. So they can put 20 cents or 10 cents in every dollar in the savings jar and they keep the 90 cents. Now what they're seeing is they're seeing the savings going up. That translates into parenthood with your emergency fund and your savings. Mm-hmm. Then you're just teaching in that basic skill and your initial skill of save first, spend later, yeah. or pay yourself. I don't like that. That one is pay yourself because how do I pay myself? <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's employing me? You know, I'm not employing myself. So I'm saving money before mm-hmm. I spend. And what they then realize is, when they have less money, mm-hmm. they make smarter decisions. We've all been there. When you're down to your last dollar and you want to get the best value for your money, you really stop and think about how do I save as much or what do I get? I mean, if we go on vacation, we comparison shop big time on the savings of the upfront fees, don't we? Yeah. And then we look at, well, what's the accommodation look like and what's the travel time and mm-hmm. we're looking for savings on gas. And all these things, because every dollar that you save is a dollar that you don't have to earn, mm-hmm. which you could actually save for later, and that will work for you. So there's lots of things that you can do along those. I mean, I know there's a lot of people say, well, anything you save each month, I will mm-hmm. match. That's uh, yeah. another way to get them going. Or you say, right, I'm going to give you an allowance. And if you ask for anything outside of these things, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So now you see you delay gratification. There's lots and lots of different things that you can actually do, even going back to grocery shopping, even learn, even paying, paying with cash, just so they learn to actually hand over money mm-hmm. and actually check the change afterwards. Yeah. 
There's so many opportunities. And I feel like kids don't, we don't get enough of it. I get it. Like it is faster for you to pay for everything or you to take care of that. But giving them an opportunity of, hey, you know what? Let's set aside, like we'll use the grocery example. I got everything. You spent your allowance. This is your allowance stuff. You're behind me or ahead of me. Pay for it yourself. It also makes them feel like, hey, I'm responsible. I'm doing this. Makes them feel like I'm not just taking my parents' money. I am actually have my own little budget. I'm, I'm getting this set up. So I love that. Um, there was another point I want to make sure I mention. Um, and number 22 about kids with their questions and encouraging their ideas because your teacher, you know, kids will ask you to death. Like when they're interested in something or when that moment is there and they're just like drilling you down with questions, you want to have something to say. And I love number five. You said to take your own experiences for real life examples. But here's the key part. Share both successes and challenges to provide a well rounded view of money and mm. managing that money. Yeah. It's easy think, to talk about those wins, right? But absolutely. And quite often the biggest lessons are the ones and mistakes you made because that's the one that hurts you the most. You're talking about it and the kid actually picks up and goes, Yeah, you had a tough time. I don't want to say because when you're when you're eight, nine, oh five, six, seven, eight, nine, I mean your grandparents walk on water. You don't think they could do any wrong. You think they are the perfect people. And you don't realize that some of them haven't got a clue about money or mm -hmm. they never make a mistake, right? They never they never forget anything. They're always right, blah, blah, blah. And then as you get older, you realize, oh, you know, maybe not so much. But mm -hmm. actually by making the mistakes, it's something that they've learned. It's one thing mm -hmm. you don't. It's like if there's boiling pan, you touch it. The kid yeah. touches it. They're never going to touch it again because it okay, I'm a bit weary of pans now on stoves. It's that kind of warning. I always think that it's better to learn from a mistake. But well, actually, you know, if you were in a coaching world, yes, you would go over the mistakes and you go, okay, we've highlighted them, you've learned from them, you're never going to make it again. again. But also, if you've had successes... You should mm -hmm. actually be equally spending a lot of time on those successes because then you can recognize what the success is. So you may have bought something and it's like, you know, but not buy remorse, isn't it? Why did I buy that? Why did I use yeah. that? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and you look and you go, well, that was a waste of money. Mm -hmm. So you can learn from that. But then on the other side, you can also say, I bought this and it was the best thing I've ever had. I bought it because of this, 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 this. And you mm -hmm. can actually then celebrate both sides. But then when the kid comes to it, so they say, well, they've learned the value of money. And you talked mm -hmm. about hourly rates. I only get so much an hour when I spend it. It's gone. What did I get for my value of money? What is it going to do for mm -hmm. me in the long run as opposed to I bought this piece of rubbish and I've never used it and it's collecting dust in my room. And I bet we all do that. Everybody watches podcast. I bet if we walk through our house now, we'd be ashamed of actually how much money <laughs> we've actually wasted on things. Yeah, we're all guilty of that. But there's a couple really good points about that. One is if we don't talk about our mistakes, right? We're giving the wrong impression to our kids. One, not just about ourselves. It's not an ego thing, but actually it's it would harm them because when they make a mistake, because we all make mistakes in life, whether it's finances or not, 
they're going to feel like I'm an idiot. Like they're going to feel bad about it. Or something I've seen happen is they talk to a financial advisor who does not have their best interests at heart, but because they're the financial expert. And they've had some, you know, the, the kid now an adult has bad experience before. They'll just completely trust without be having that critical thinking, without asking questions. And, and that can just that can just mess them up for a very long time. But then also just in a relationship, just let your kids make mistakes. We're kind of going through the middle of that now. Like our girls, their allowance, not that they're older, is a little bit more. and. Yeah. They're into YouTube, like a lot of kids, and YouTube channels buy our merch or do this. And they wanted to buy some stuff on the channel. And I commend them. They wanted to support a creator that they liked. But the overcharge, are you waiting for weeks? They get in, it's like, you paid this for this? But it was a good experience for them. There's a lot to be said about that with allowances. You know, like if they buy that and they realize, wow, I bought that and I got this. I mean, they may learn later on. I mean, that's the mistake they made is that they've got to be aware of what are they actually getting for their money mm-hmm. and is it actually worth it? And then also learning, like you say, and that would be a learning point. Hey, yeah. I'm glad you got that $25 hoodie mm-hmm. off YouTube, but let's just look at this for a second. So you're supporting the channel is $25, but you only saw the price, but then there was a, a, a $20 shipping fee. And then it was another $5 tax. So that $20 was now $45. So you had this much money. Now you owe me this much money because you only saw this price. Mm -hmm. What could we have done differently? Could we have maybe found that merch somewhere else? Could we have actually, is it still worth $45 to you? And if it is, fair enough. Yeah. But just know that the shipping and that could have meant another hoodie and potentially another T-shirt. Yeah. And that is a learning moment. When I was in the classroom, I actually pushed them to make mistakes. Yeah. I actually wanted them in conversations to put themselves out there to make a mistake because if they didn't, they weren't truly learning. Obviously, if you get it right, great. I love it. But these kids were not really, I really wanted to encourage them to think about as far out and as far wide mm-hmm. as possible, rather than like this example you just said, mm-hmm. we gain a merch from YouTube, $25, great. But what else could, did we learn from that purchase? Mm-hmm. What didn't you see when you bought that purchase? And that's the learning point that I want them to be willing to learn. And if yeah. they make a mistake... And especially at a young age. So yeah. what? You're not buying a Lamborghini or a house or and, a time. That's the key, right? Like, let them have the little mistake with you so they don't have those huge mistakes. It might be $50, but what's yeah. $50 in the scheme of how many years you're alive? Mm-hmm. Really? So, you know, and that's why I think if there's, there's a lady who wrote a great book called No Cash Allowance by mm-hmm. a Lynn Elf Finch. Yeah. She's a friend Connor, actually. Anyway, nice. this is a great book that actually teaches you well about why you should actually have an allowance because it teaches kids to manage their money. Mm-hmm. 
know exactly how much money they're looking at, learning the value of what they're spending, mm-hmm. teaching them to save for a goal, and actually learn the value of the money. So basically, they learn. And if they, mm-hmm. if they really wanted something, they'd have to put some money aside as a savings mm-hmm. goal to get there. And when they get there, do they still want that item? Yeah. If not, bonus, they got extra money. If they do, they really know that they do want it and they've bought it. They've had a, that cooling off period, if you like, to actually think about buying it. But think about that, translating that into adulthood when you're looking for that first deposit for your house or scraping money to invest in the mm-hmm. business or even into investing, you've, you've got that discipline yeah. to actually start those skills that we as adults require. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is that there's transferable skills from being a young child to being an adult. Money doesn't change. It's yeah. just the number of zeros and the line items. What I enjoyed about your book, it's not heavy with the technical terms of finance. It does cover things like credit scores and savings and budgets, but it's done in a conversational style, which I think makes it less intimidating, which encourages you to have more conversations, less of a barrier. But your great book is one resource. I know you mentioned before we started Hit Record some other resources for parents Mm. and families that want to help out their kids. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. There's a great lady called Jamie Boss. She's, she's got some Milton books. There is Rob Peelin, who's a Finn Connor as well. M is for money. Yeah. There's nice. another guy called Sammy Rabbit. I mean, he basically teaches kids to sing through, you know, learn about money through song and dance. So he's got his YouTube <laughs> channel and everything else. Yeah. So yeah, there's a fair few mm-hmm. people out there and there's mm-hmm. another one called grandpa's fables by will rainey mm-hmm. if you really want to get kids going with their own oh that was another thing is debit cards because now we're trying to go to you read news about cashless society and all this lot but when kids when you go to a store and you pay with a credit card there's a big disconnect between mm-hmm. spending money and actually um swiping they yeah. don't they don't they don't connect the dots. And that's a, a really, really big conversation where you say, well, a debit card and a credit card, they have to understand that where debit card comes straight out of your account. And every time a swipe is equivalent of giving money. Yeah. And in fact, the new online game coming out, shameless plug, in the next couple of months where mm-hmm. we actually make changes for elementary and middle schoolers. Nice. Where they plan to save as much money as possible, but they have to manage the money, give money. And they also put a little bit of investing, but you only get money back at the end of the game for the investing. Okay. So it's a long-term thing. Uh-huh. But when they have to spend things, they have to put it on their prepaid debit card. So they actually have to okay. transfer money on debit card. So that helps them connect the dots between a debit card and that. But going on to that, mm-hmm. if you want kids to get into the hang of that, there's FAMZU, Builds White. Yep, a we use them. Card. Yeah. Yeah, phenomenal, isn't it? He had five kids and he created this card for his kids to keep control of their spending so he, he could see what they were spending. And basically, you put money on the card each month or whenever you want. Yeah. They can go to the store for you and buy stuff. And if they haven't got enough money, they can request it and you can go yes or no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And you get a statement and everything else. So it teaches a basic banking skill. So Bill's White with Famzu, there's Go Henry and there's Greenlight. They're all yep. well worth looking at as well. 
Um, yeah, highly- so happy they got good options there. Yeah, we use yeah, Famzu. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've met Bill. Um, brilliant yeah. guy, Famzu. And, and really genuinely cares about, again, it's not just like making our kids financially savvy. That is good. But the conversations, what are we doing with our money? What's the big picture? What values, you know, as us as parents and grandparents, what do we want to pass on to our kids? I love how you said your game is also going to include generosity with gifts. Have that a part of the conversation. Do your kids see you giving? Um, We tend to keep certain things private, but uh, we let our kids know, hey, we want to support this or we want to, you know, do this. Well, I I also think that, I think it's a very important role because I think more and more people, unfortunately, are getting more and more selfish. And we've got to keep that citizenship alive because, unfortunately, we're becoming more self-absorbed and becoming more of a circle, uh, uh, you know, in our own little sphere. And I've I've seen this a lot. And, you know, churches tithe a lot, but we can also gift. And, and, And the thing is, it's not just about giving your money. It's about giving your time to help people. From an early age, it's great that young kids, and I love it that they're very helpful when they're young kids. And I just want to keep doing that in a way. There's always somebody out there that needs help. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't always have to give money. You can give time. It's just sitting down with somebody and chatting. Or it's it's just helping somebody with a chore. Or, I mean, during COVID and everything, when people were sick, there were actually people cutting each other's grass and, you know, help the lawns and stuff yeah. like that for the elderly who couldn't get out to go to the stores. And people were like stepping up in, in the communities, yeah. help those who are really, really struggling. So I also wanted to bring a little bit of that into it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, t- the gifting is there as, hey, you can give your time, but you can give money too. And also, don't judge when you're giving. If people are mm-hmm. there with their hat down and they're scamming you, that's their issue. It's not yours. It's still good that you gave or you were you were being kind. Mm-hmm. Now, you can get a little bit savvy with that and go, well, if these people are actually begging, buy them food. Mm-hmm. Don't like the food? Well, then they're not that desperate for it. You know? And you I, learn I, I used to do that too. But also, at that time, I was a poor college kid. So I was like, I don't have extra gas. But I'll split my lunch with you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Those conversations, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think you've got to bring in a bit of citizenship with money because people are just totally money orientated. It becomes very materialistic and very greedy mm-hmm. to the point that money is the total goal, and I will do anything I can to have that money and forget about anybody else at the sideline. Whereas. If you actually see the value of money, but you also see you're part of a community, I think you're going to be a bit more rounded Mm -hmm. with your money and you're more likely to help. And then ultimately, as a grandparent, you would look at your kid and say, is this kid kind? Is this Mm -hmm. kid light? Is he nice? Has he got a good soul? Does he like money? Yes. But is he going to be successful? Does he look after his money or her money? Mm -hmm. Those are all the worries that a grandparent or parent will have is, will they have enough money for the future? Are they liked? How do they have friends? I know they're mm-hmm. going to get life. And I think money is part of it, but how you control your money, how you view money is all so very, very important. Fact. This segment is brought to you by Travel Freely. I know we have some travel hacking families in our community who love using the rewards for family vacations. And there are many who want to join them. 
However, it can be tough to sort through all the offers. This is where Travel Freely can help. It simplifies your search and makes it easy to find the best offers and deals that fit your family and how they spend. So you are maximizing your rewards. If you want to learn more on how to travel hack your next epic family trip, please go to simplifyandenjoy.com slash travel freely. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways I picked up from speaking with Paul and preparing this episode. The first is start talking about money early and regularly with your kids. Begin teaching your kids about money even when they're young. Use hands-on experiences and games to make learning about money fun and relatable. Have these conversations be a normal part of your day. It doesn't have to be in-depth. You don't have to make it complicated, but you can pass on important lessons about the value of saving up for things that are important to you, spending in a way that reflects what you value. These are essential lessons you can pass on. The second is encourage decision-making. Involve your kids. Let them see, here is our family budget. Are there ways that we can save as a family so we can use that money for goals we're really excited about? This helps them to feel involved and it helps them develop critical thinking skills and understand the value of money. Finally, teach delayed gratification absolute necessity for both us as adults, but kids, this is something you can teach when they're young. Help them understand the concept of waiting, of that delayed gratification by setting up those savings goals. Encourage them along the way as they start saving up for those big goals. This teaches them the importance of saving first and making thoughtful purchases, which will serve them so well later on when they're adults. Now, if you want to hone in on your budget and finances, make sure you're a part of our community. Besides resources for each episode of the podcast, I also like to share extra tips, tools, and interesting resources I find to help make Simplify Your Money, Home, and Life easier. Just sign up at simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. Special thanks to Paul for being a part of this episode. If you have kids and you're trying to help them become wiser with their money, please check out Cash Crunch Games. You can grab Paul's book, but also pick up his game, Cash Crunch Games Jr. We've played that when the kids were younger. It teaches them how to track their money, learn how to save, and think about spending. You can find all of this at cashcrunchgames.com. As always, I'll include links to the resources we've mentioned today, and much more over at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, it's that season again, open enrollment. We're going to go over key things to consider to help you maximize your benefits. If you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and more. Our theme was by Staircases with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but also sending in your questions and ideas for the podcast and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.